0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Golden Walkman Magazine. My name is David Walker, the editor, bringing you the second installment of the 2017 audio chapbook contest finalists. That was a mouthful. So today we are going to hear from Leonard Cress in his chapbook "Craniotomy," and then Jan LaPearl's chapbook "Route 18." This is all leading up to a preview of the winners chapbook which is The Lunatic's Left Hand Man by Elliot Khalil Wilson. So um, first you're going to hear from Leonard Cress and his poem Grey Goose and then Jan LaPearl's poem Key. Um, and both of these chapbooks were wonderful to read um, and I really hope you enjoy the selection that they chose to feature on Golden Walkman Magazine. So enjoy it. Hope to hear from you in a week.
1: The Grey Goose. Bedtime each night, the Grey Goose on tape for me and my two bunk kids. Then, good night, Irene, their only way to fall asleep. Burl-eyes crooning, then lead-belly to tenderize the tough, unwilling flesh. What's necessary to survive the day? If I lived in the Upper Peninsula, my day off might be spent hunting duck or goose or wild turkey, unfeathering the flesh to feast my family, make sure my kids grow plump and strong, lead the way into the dark forest each fall for providence— at least since the fall, does not provide as promise that each day will prove better than the last, but leads us on, offering the gray goose's golden egg, the fantastic, magical kid, offering the flay of its roasting flesh to take the place of our flesh when the bird is shot and falls from above, and the kids go wait for it to land all night and day. They learn that the gray goose will always elude them or lead them astray, They will learn that Lead Belly almost rotted in prison for slashing the flesh of his cousin, unlike the knife that couldn't cut the goose after nine months of cooking, after six months of falling. The song is not about the day we come to realize that our kids will have to accept our kidding about invincibility, which falls like a lead weight, quashing expectations of a new day. It might as well be incised in their flesh at the beginning of each new fall, the string of goslings behind the gray goose. What's the deal with sestinas? For several years I've been working on a series of sestinas that embody certain important aspects of Buddhist mindfulness meditation. Each sestina, and I have written nearly 100 so far, is a timed and focused meditation contingent upon time place in physical, mental, and emotional states. Time or duration, for example, translates to space. The 36 lines in each individual poem, the amount of time it takes to wander through those lines, just as a meditator might practice sitting or walking meditation for a specific amount of time. The lines of the poem as they proceed, play out and represent the active workings of a restless mind, what Buddhists sometimes refer to as monkey mind. These mental wanderings, however, must, at the end of the line, return to the poem's focus, the repeated end word, the poem's version of returning concentration to the breath. And, as in meditation, the poem invariably struggles free and proceeds in its own distracted and digressive way until the next repeated end word. Thus the process repeats throughout the six stanzas. The varying n words inherent in the sestina form the form to keep the meditation fresh and alive and foreground the emphasis on process. There is no ruling consciousness in charge, no one fully manning the controls. There are only people, creatures, events, places and sounds entering the field of the poem. Each poem embodies a way of working through both psychic and physical materials, memory, experience, pain, suffering, grief, joy, gratitude, and enchantment.
2: Key. One morning, out of nowhere, as I was on my way to the next box, sun in my eyes, I at last used the key to the church on West Rollins. For the bathroom, for the water fountain. For months I couldn't get myself to go in. I am fearful and dirty. I look through people's magazines. But that's the small of it. That's my confession for now. But one morning, out of nowhere, I did it. I parked frantically and went in. A whole church to myself. The rows of pews the bathroom right there, thoughts. I wanted to pull them in like fishing lines, but there they were, all over the place. There the piano, podium, wooden cross, so simple. There was no Jesus, plastic or otherwise, no stained glass, just a bareness that seemed extraordinary. I went to a pew and put my head down. I cried like I hadn't known I needed to as it felt so bad and good at the same time, something in me separated along a perforated line. I was floating, not even looking back at myself lying all over the pews and myself. I just kept floating toward the wall there with last week's attendance through the windows so clear. I saw from above the maintenance man outside, his yellow mustache pushing against his cigarette sunflowers in the garden across the street tomatoes everywhere ripening i saw lawns so neatly mowed weeds too and the roads leading me home i saw raymond with his tattoo gun alan on his morning walk margie in the basement with her cats i saw that this is where i am meant to be no not out delivering mail but here So full of sadness and relief, hope, joy, the key right here in my pocket. Yes, from there, everything looked perfect. My writing process. I've had this old tattoo on my wrist for 20 years, and I am right now going through a divorce. So it's time to get the tattoo redone. Covered up, fixed. I have opened a tattoo magazine, a fine arts magazine, and The Yoga of Jesus. And I'm drawing images from these and from images I've found on Google. White bud, wheat, leaves. I'm making notes in the margins of a drawing of my arm. This, imagistically, is how I come upon a poem. I read, I listen to audible books, I have a 30-minute drive to work, I copy lines I like, and I journal all the time, mostly in my car. I don't have a lot of time these days. I'm on active duty in the army, once a month I have to work 12 days in a row, and tonight I just finished my 11th. I have, it seems, a hundred pockets in my uniform, or at least that's what my 8-year-old daughter says and I always have, in one, a little notebook. I run. During my runs, I always have many great ideas for poems, most of which I forget, but some I remember and write down. Some days I only write a word or an image, something I see in a far field. And then, once a month, I get a four-day vacation from work, and it's usually during that time that I am able to sit down and read through my notes. I work to make connections. I like the work of threading pieces together, thoughts, something someone said, an image, something I read. And when the pieces all come together, there's new meaning there. And in each, there's poetry and the bringing together is the poem